really such a privilege that I would get to be with you today. Uh, it's no stretch to say that uh, Pastor Aaron and Eric are some of the very dear best friends in my life, and it's so interesting how we met. I don't know if he's ever told you the story, but we met uh, at a conference. We sat down next to each other. I was in the wrong session, um, so I had to get up and leave, but we met at the session, and you never know just how sitting in a seat next to someone can change your life, and I think about that for so many of you today. You may be here for the first time. You may have been coming for a few times. Maybe this is your third time. I hope I don't screw it up on that three-time rule, but um, you may be sitting next to somebody who could change your life, just the relationship that God wants to do, and that's definitely what's happened in in our life. Uh, He's been there for me so many times, and I'm just so privileged to get to be at this great church We've been pastoring for over seven years now and seen God do great things, but I'm telling you, uh, we are taking notes from you. We're learning so much and seeing all the things that you're doing, and I hope you recognize that what you're part of here is something special, and really don't take it for granted. This is not normal that in six months you would see all these people come to Christ and be baptized and be growing. Not only that, but to have such exceptional leaders that love you so well. Uh, Whenever I talk to Pastor Aaron, he's always telling me about you. You're his favorite thing. Sometimes I wonder, like, what about Erica? But no, he's always talking about you and how much he loves you and what God is doing in your life. And so can you just give it up for your pastors one more time? Just let them know that you love them. They really are family. And uh, I I brought a picture of my family so you can know a little bit about me. Uh, It's my beautiful wife there and, and our children I'm the co-founder of those four children there, and uh, they are 12, 8, 6, and 3. And I know those are weird names, but that's just what we decided to go with. And uh, no, actually, it's Reese. He's my oldest son. Um, Pippa, the little one there, my wife is holding. He's our pride. And uh, Grant is the short little guy. And that middle child there, um, I just want to point him, that middle child he is definitely a middle child. His name is Oliver. My wife sent me a picture. He's wearing boots and shorts to church today. So he gets his, his fashion sense from Pastor Aaron, obviously. But uh, hey, I want to continue in the, in the series that we've been in. And it's not a fishing story, but it is a story about reaching people for Christ and evangelism story. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to take a look. And I love this story for so many reasons. One is there's some principles in here that are not only going to be relevant to your life and what you're facing and what you're going through, but they're so foundational for your church. And one thing you got to know about your church, whether you've been coming for a while, maybe you're new here, is that the mission of this church is bigger than to just be another church in San Antonio. I hope you get that. Like, let me put it a different way. San Antonio doesn't need more churches. <laughs> You're like, is this guy blasphemous? <laughs> no, but let me tell you. But what San Antonio does need is more and more churches that are reaching people and building lives. That's why I love the mission of this church so much. Because you know that when you come in here, you're going to be built up. You know, you can't say that about every church. Some of us have had some church experiences where we don't get built up, we get beat up. You go in there like, man, I don't know if I want to go back there. But when you come to church here and you're just making the effort to be here every Sunday, your life gets better. Your marriage gets better. Your relationship with Jesus grows stronger. 
you have more peace in your life. You have more joy in your life. That doesn't mean that your life is free of problems, but what it does mean is that you're having a new perspective with how to face the problems that you're encountering. So you gotta make sure that you're part of this great family. It's a great place to be at. And when we join in with the mission of Jesus, with this church, we see some incredible things happen. You recognize that it's not just about you. And what we're gonna look at is gonna help you join in with this mission. Uh, What we're gonna pick up in Luke chapter five, uh, Jesus has been doing ministry now for about a year. When he first started speaking, he took his message to the synagogues, but now the word is on the street. He has taken it to the streets, which is another thing I love about this church. I love your outreach and how you're reaching out, not just trying to reach people to get people here, but you're going into the community. Because that's one thing Jesus shows us is that not everybody's gonna go to church. Sometimes you gotta take the church to them. Sometimes you gotta take God's word to them and you guys are doing that, you're modeling that. But in Luke chapter five, it begins, I wanna, I'm gonna start in verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now I gotta stop there just a minute because when I see those first two words, that's significant. And I gotta point that out to you because what you might not know is that anytime you see those first two words one day in scripture, you know you are getting ready to hear a good story. Like, you know something epic is about to happen. In fact, if your story was in Scripture, you would probably want your story to begin with the words, one day. Because what it means is that in the midst of all the other days, this day stands apart. See, that's a good reminder for me because sometimes I get so caught up and the routine and the monotony of the day today, all the days begin to run together. But what this says is that on this day, there is something different. And what you gotta remember is that one day, when someone has an encounter with, one, with Jesus in one day, it changes everything. Your story changes forever. Some of you, you remember your one day story. You remember that time you walked into church. You remember the way that person shared the gospel with you. You remember that song that was playing. You you remember the smell of the room. You remember that moment. You remember that day. One day changes everything. In fact, we have a phrase at our church, we talk about it, we call them one day prayers. It's those people in your life that you're praying that one day they would come to know Jesus. They just want, like if they could come into church, just you know that in one day their life would be changed. I wonder if you have any one day prayers, this church, the people that, like for me, there was this guy I used to work with before I was leading a church, his name was Delvin. Delvin was a great guy. Delvin, uh, just the most kind, generous, people-oriented person you'd ever meet, but he'd been hurt by the church in years past. And, and so he'd never want anything to do with church. Delvin is my one day prayer. I pray that one day he's gonna come to church or maybe come to my church. He doesn't live in the city where I live in anymore, but, but come and that his life would be changed. And when you get that, it changes the way you think about church. Because like I think about, man, if, if Delvin, if he came in, I would hope that the greeters are kind and smiley and shaking his hand, you know? Like I would, I would hope that there's like signs pointing to where he needs to go because nobody wants to look stupid when they walk in and be like, man, I'm not sure where their bathroom is. And, you know, I, I would hope that like there's coffee because I want 
the church to be known as a generous place and not like a stingy place. I hope that there's someone to take care of his grandkids because, you know, otherwise he'd be so focused on his kids he would miss the message. I hope that like the music's good and he can, the people sing on keys so he's not being critical of everything. Like I would hope that Pastor Aaron's not telling any inappropriate jokes. Like I'm hoping that that one day when he comes that nobody screws it up. See, when you have a one-day prayer, it changes the way that you see church and you see what takes place. Well, on this day, this is one day, and we're going to discover that this was unlike any previous days. On this one day, everything was changed for someone in this story. It says, they'd come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. It's so interesting, whenever Jesus would preach, people would gather. People would come from all over to hear his words, to hear his message. I, I gotta point that out because sometimes we have this like mindset about Jesus that he was just this vagabond type character. Like, like he just kind of traveled around with this ragtag group of misfits and you know maybe looked kind of homeless. But you gotta understand the reason Jesus could say, follow me and I'll teach you how to catch people is because people were attracted to him. People wanted to listen to what he had to say, that they wanted to be around him. Now, not everybody liked him. Sometimes his critics were in the same room, but they were still drawn to what he had to say. And so there's all these people gathering. And in verse 18, it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I was gonna skip to verse 26, but I wanna read the, the rest of this here just so you get the full context of this story. It says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. That's what happens at the end of somebody's one-day story. We've seen remarkable things today. I love this story because not only does it tell me and demonstrate that God's word has real power to meet your needs and change your life, but it shows me that before God's work can be performed, that there are usually obstacles and difficulties that lie in the path. There's usually things that are preventing God's work from being performed in your life. That, that there's usually a catch, there's usually something that's keeping it from moving forward. Within this story, I see so many different opportunities for the work of God to be stopped. I don't know if you noticed it, but like just take for example, there's this man who's paralyzed. We don't know what his issue is, if he's crippled or deformity or what it might be, but he's got a need in his life 
And he can't get up and walk to Jesus to have the need met. He's stuck where he's at. You've got these four friends. Actually, Luke doesn't tell us that there's four, but Mark tells the same story, says there's four friends. And they say, hey, we'll get you there. We'll carry you there. But they get stopped. Once they get there, they can't get in the door. They can't get in there to see Jesus. Even Jesus, before he performs this miracle, there's people there questioning him, criticizing him, questioning whether or not he can really do this. At every point, the work of God in in this man's life is trying to be stopped. And I'm telling you that because whatever God is calling you to do, whether it's a dream he's put in your heart or whether it's a person that he's calling you to bring to church, there are gonna be things that will try to stop you or prevent you from walking that out. And I don't know what it would be for you, but I wanna use this text to help identify a few obstacles that I see that keep you from stepping out. And so I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, is this a note-taking church? If you don't take notes, they say that 86% of Christians who take notes make it into heaven. So um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's true, but just to be on the safe side, I would take notes. I'm calling this message, What's the Catch? What's the... Now, you know when there's a title that good, the word is going to be good. I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, What's the Catch? What's the Catch? If you've been asking her out on a date and she said no... Just say, hey, what's the catch? Like, what is keeping this from happening? All right. Well, hey, would you pray with me? It's always my custom to pray before I get into God's word. I need God's help. I have a hunch that you need God's help. So would you go to the Father with me? Lord, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to preach your word and be in your presence. God, I don't take this lightly. Lord, I ask that you would use me today. Let your words go forth, not my opinions, not my thoughts, not my ideas. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to understand, and a heart to receive all you have for us today. I thank you, Lord, that you will, and everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, has there ever been a time in your life where you've just acted unashamed? Don't worry, I'm not gonna, this isn't like confession time, I'm not gonna call you up here, put the mic in your hand, just, have you ever like acted like just completely uninhibited, just unashamed? Anybody? I know it was Taco Fest like last, you know, yesterday. I'm not asking you to tell me what you did. I'm just saying, have you ever like maybe just stepped out a little bit? Maybe you know somebody, like maybe your kid just act a little wild, totally unashamed. Anybody? Like don't point at them. I just want to know. Yeah, I, actually, I appreciate you acknowledging that. Because like my kids act totally crazy. Just helps me know that I'm a little bit normal. Like my, they're always doing like these Fortnite dances just randomly. Have you ever seen that? I don't know. I think they're demon possessed. I need to cast that out of them, but just totally understand. Sometimes it's because may, maybe you're trying to attract attention. That's usually the case with my children, that middle one, all of her trying to attract attention. So, sometimes you're just ignorant of it. You don't realize that you're act, acting a fool. So sometimes it's because you are so determined to make something happen that you don't care what it looks like. You're just going to make it happen. That's kind of what I see in this text because you got these guys they were trying to get their friend to Jesus. And they don't care what the situation is, they're just gonna get them there. We don't really know a lot about this situation. We know that there were some guys, you know, there was a guy who was paralyzed, you know, his house was full, but really scripture leaves out a lot of details. 
The reason it leaves out a lot of details is so you can see yourself in the story. I hope you do that when you read scripture that you see, okay, what is this saying to me? Where am I at in this story? And what you see happen, happening is that these men, they're coming to Jesus, but they're not coming for their own benefit. Like, just picture that this is a modern-day church service, okay? Jesus is teaching, he's preaching, and nobody can preach like Jesus. I mean, Jesus preaches almost as good as Pastor Aaron. And, and Jesus is preaching, and they're like, hey, we gotta get there, we gotta hear what he has to say. And all these people are gathering, but these men are coming, but they're bringing somebody with them. All of a sudden now, this church service isn't about the word that they're trying to get. It's about them trying to help their friend. It really changes the game when you begin to see things through the eyes of your friend, when you're bringing somebody. It wasn't about them anymore. And just like with their friend, so many of our friends are paralyzed. So many of our friends, there's something in their life that is keeping them from getting to Jesus. I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe uh, your friends, they're paralyzed by fear. Thinking, man, what, what if I come to church? What are people gonna think of me? How are they gonna treat me? Maybe they're paralyzed by guilt, thinking that you don't know how I've lived my life. You don't know what I've done. That what I'm in right now, nobody should be into. Maybe they're paralyzed by a hurt, by an offense. That they've had some things happen, they've been part of a church before and something went sideways. That they've had something done to them by a Christian or something done to them in the name of God and, and, and it's left a mark. And can I just say, there are plenty of things that are done in the name of God that have nothing to do with God. I, I don't know what the situation would be for your friends, but one thing you need to understand about the mission of this church and God's plan for your life is that it's not as much about you as it is about others. God wants to use you to reach others. And so they have this friend, he's paralyzed. They're bringing him. And the thing is, you will never get what this church is about until you bring somebody with you who needs to get it. You start seeing things in a completely different light. You, you, you start saying, hey, I, I hope everything is good. I hope that you know, everything is safe and clean and fun in the kids' environment. I hope you know, that there's good coffee, all of this kind of stuff, because you're thinking about your friend and trying to reach them for Jesus. Well, just like the friends in these story who were stopped at different points, there are gonna be some things that will stop you from inviting the people in your life to come here. And I don't know what all of those would be, but I do see a couple of them I wanna point out to you. And the first one is this, it's limitation. Limitation. Limitation is really a shortage of whatever you don't have. See, there, there was a limitation in the story because there's this man who's paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He can't get to where he needs to go. And I've seen us stop short so many times of the things that God has put in our heart because we feel like there's something that we're lacking in our life. We feel like there's something that we can't do. I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's the fact you don't have the confidence that you need. Maybe your limitation is you don't think you have the resource that you need. Maybe your limitation is you don't feel equipped. Maybe you don't, don't feel like you're smart enough. You don't have the words. You, you don't know how to do it. I, I don't know what your limitation is, 
But I do know the problem for many of us is we blame our limitation, and so we never step into what God has for us. I, I know this one really well because for me, we started our church much like your pastors started this church. We moved to a place we didn't know anybody, no friends, no family, no relationships. We started our church with $10,000 that my wife and I had saved up, didn't raise any money, and we got going, and I felt so limited. I began to think, God, if you could just resource me with some more money, then we could market, or we could buy the equipment that we need, or we could move into the place we want to get into, or we could do so many different things. God, I don't feel like we have what we need. God, if you could send some more people, then, then we could train them up, or send the right people, or, or help us you know, bring, bring some people to help serve or do this task or just bring people in the building so I have a church to preach to. Like, God, if you could do something like, then, then we could get to, to where we need. God, if, if you could help me be smarter so I knew what I was doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm in over my head. I don't feel like I got what I need. But see, what I realized is all those things I feel limited in, all those things that I thought were really keeping me were really necessary for where God wanted to take me. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of things that are so much easier for me now because in those moments where I felt limited, the only person I could rely on was God. There are some things that might be hard for others, but I've just learned to walk by faith in some areas. It's not as hard anymore. It's not as challenging anymore. And what I'm trying to help you see is that really in the limitation is God's supply. What we see as a lid, God really wants to use as a launching pad. What we see as a limiting factor, God wants to use as leverage in our life to propel us where he wants us to go. You see it as a limitation, but it's not really a limitation because God has already given you what you need. If you feel limited, right, or if you feel like you had everything that you needed to do what God calls you to do, you wouldn't need God. The fact that you're limited is drawing you to put your trust and your faith in God. Am I talking to anybody this morning? See, it's not just the things that you feel like you don't have, though. Sometimes it's the things that you're facing that seem too big for you. That's why I want to talk to you about intimidation. Intimidation. Intimidation will keep you crippled. Intimidation will keep you stuck. Intimidation is all that stuff that seems bigger than you. What's so interesting about the story to me is that it took four of these guys to carry this friend. I wonder how long he was laying there paralyzed until he wised up and was like, hey, I need somebody to get me there. And maybe it started with just one and he like tried it out. It's like, man, I can't do this, bro. This, this is too hard. Maybe they got like a couple more people. Like, man, it's still not, it is gonna take four of us to get there. And see, there are some things in your life that are too big for you. And the reason they're too big for you is because God wants you to know that you're not meant to do them alone. That's why you need to be part of a church family like this. That's why you need to be part of a team. That's why you need to be part of a group because God wants you to have people in your life because there are some things that you are trying to do in your own strength that God never intended for you to do in your own strength. He wants you to rely on the strength of others. He wants you to get the right people in your life. See, it's not just having people in your life. Some of you come in here and I'm like, I got friends, bro. I'm good, I got people. Yeah, but do you have the right people? Did you have the people that can get you to Jesus to get your healing? Do you, do you have the people that can carry you where you need to go when you can't move yourself? 
This guy got the people in his life. And it's not just the fact that they were carrying him. I bet the journey was intimidating. Like, we don't even know how long this journey was, but we know it must have been at least some distance because by the time these friends get there, the house is already packed. They must have had to travel some time. They get there and the house is full. We don't even know really if this guy who was paralyzed wanted to go. I think that's my favorite thing about the story. It's like, I don't want to go. Well, we're carrying you. You really don't have a choice in that. That, That's how I bring some of my friends to church. It's like, hey, uh, just I'm going to take you out to lunch. Hey, where are we going? We're going to church. Then I'm taking you out to lunch, okay? That's the way it works. But they, they, they take him there. We don't know how long it was, but we do know that it wasn't easy. They had to go, and they had to carry him. Man, it would have been so much easier if Jesus would have come to them. I mean, Jesus came to other people. Why is it that they had to carry Jesus? But what I want you to see, they had to carry this man to Jesus. But what I want you to see is that what they could have seen as a hindrance was actually a catalyst for their friend's healing. And see, a lot of people, they, they give up on what God has called them to do because what they're facing feels so intimidating. But if it seems too big for you, that's a great thing because that's going to drive you to a greater dependence on God. But there's a, a last thing I want to talk about, and that's expectation. Expectation is the last thing that keeps us from moving forward. It's when the way something turns out is in conflict with the way we thought it would be. Have you ever had something that didn't go like you expected? That wasn't what you thought it was? I, I, I thought this was gonna be different, but now this is the way it is, and now what do I do? I, I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe it's the fact you thought you'd be married by now. Maybe it's the fact that you are married and you didn't think that you'd be dealing with that thing 20 years into your marriage. Maybe it's the fact that you can't believe the way they treated you after how good you were to them, that they responded to you in that way. Have you ever had something that you didn't expect? Unmet expectations can leave you disappointed. But the thing I love about Jesus is that he doesn't just work when our hopes are up, but he works when our hurts get us down. These guys carry this man, get all the way to the house where Jesus is, and they can't get in. How frustrating would that have been? They get there, and it's like, well, now what? I mean, we did all this work to get him here. Are we just gonna turn around? Are we just gonna go back? It looked like a failure. It looked like they should have just quit. But can I tell you that even if something turned out like you didn't expect, even if it looks like a failure, failure doesn't equal missing God. Failure is sometimes the first step to success. I hope the frustrated faith of these four friends, oh, I felt the anointing with that, all all that alliteration. I hope the frustrated faith of these friends encourages you because what it tells me is that I shouldn't judge the journey before it's over. They got there and they said, we're not giving up. We didn't carry your heavy self all the way here 
just to turn around and go back without a miracle. And what's funny is, if these friends would have subscribed to the same kind of faith that so many of us subscribe to, I think they would have turned around and gone home. Because the way most of us live our life is, well, I'm gonna step out, God, I'm gonna move, but you've gotta give me an open door. And if the door's not open, well, it must not be your will. If the door's not open, God, I'll just, I'll just turn around and go back. They didn't say that. They said, no, God, we believe you're in this. We're gonna step out. We're gonna follow through. And what this tells me is, is that so many times in our life, if we don't move, God won't move. Now, I'm not saying that God can't move. God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm just saying so often, if you don't move, God won't move because Jesus always wants you to have your faith in motion. If you look at the life of Jesus, he always wanted people to participate in their miracle. He said to the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand, and it was whole. He, he said when the disciples were like, hey, what are we gonna do to feed all these people? He's like, well, what do you have? Before he fed the people, he said, hey, make them sit down in groups of 50s and 100s because you always gotta put yourself in position for your miracle. He, he told the lepers, he said, hey, go show yourselves to the priests. And while they went, they were cleansed. Jesus wants to see faith in motion. That means that fulfilling what God has called you to do isn't as much about inspiration. It's not about if you feel it or not. It's about participation. Are you getting involved? I would just wanna ask you, are you getting involved with this? You wanna see God move in your life? Are you getting involved? Are, are, are you getting invested? Are you joining in with the opportunities that are here? Because it's so interesting why they couldn't get in. Did you ever notice that? I mean, yeah, like the house was packed. That's obvious. But it, it actually says it a little bit differently in verse 19. It says, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat. See, lots of times we read this and think, oh, well, the house was just too full. But it says, they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd. All these people packed in the house, all there to hear what Jesus had to say. But I wonder if they were listening to his message and missing the point of his mission. Because you recognize you can be so focused on Jesus that you've got your back turned to anybody who's outside your group. Man, I pray that that's not Rise Church, that we still have a mind and a heart for the people that aren't here yet. The church is the only place, the only organization on the face of the earth that exists for the purpose of its non-members, that exists for the people that aren't here, that cares about the empty seat, that says, hey, I know it's getting full in here, but there's a few more seats. You know, I, I know that we're growing, but we gotta get some more. There's other people that are outside these walls that we have to reach. I pray that this is a church like that. So easy to focus on what God can do for us that we turn our backs on other people. So what do these men do? They, they tear apart the roof to get their friend to Jesus. And maybe what God has called you to do, it seems outside the box. Maybe it seems a little crazy. 
Maybe it involves you acting a little bit like a fool, becoming a little bit unashamed. But if that's what it takes for me to see a life changed, man, count me in. I'm all about it. And for some of you, the thing that God is asking you to do, it's not any crazy thing. He's just asking you to bring somebody with you. He's asking you to invest in the relationships that he's already put in your life. Some of you are, are masters of relationships. Some of you are so connected in the community, you already have inroads, and you're like, man, I really care about this person. I wanna lead them to Christ, but I'm not sure how. Get them here. If you will get them here, they will hear a gospel message, and they will have the opportunity to have a real relationship with Jesus. If you can just get them here. So my question to you is, what's stopping you? What's the catch? What, what's the thing that's keeping you from bringing some people with you or from stepping into what God has called you to? Is it the limitation? Is it intimidation? Is it the expectation? Or is it the lie? Is it really the thing that you think you don't have that's stopping you? Is it really that that thing is too big for you? Is it really the fact that you've been disappointed in the past? Or is it the lie? Is it the thing that you're choosing to believe? See, so many times I've recognized in my life, it's not that I don't have what I need. It's not that that thing is too big for me. It's not that that thing turned out in disappointment. It's that I've chosen to believe a lie and I'm staying trapped, I'm staying stuck, I'm staying caught in a lie. And so many of us have bought into it hook, line, and sinker, and so we stay in this place and we never step out and see God move. What would happen if we, if we recognize that we've been believing the wrong thing about ourselves, saying, you know what, God, you have called me here to reach people. You've placed me in this church for a purpose. You've brought me here for a mission. I'm gonna be a bringer. I'm gonna be all in. I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna give of my time. I'm gonna join a team. I'm gonna get in a group. I'm gonna make a difference in the lives of others. Whatever there is, sign me up for it because I wanna be a part of it. What would happen if everybody in this church was like that? I'm telling you, we, we couldn't contain it. We'd be bumping the pipe and drape out all the way to the back. So I wanna tell you, don't let it stop you. Don't let the lie stop you. Don't let fear stop you. 